Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday Morning Envy Pro Call. Today is Thursday, November 9th, and I'd like to welcome those of you that are here live, as well as those of you listening to this via recording, which, of course, you can do by subscribing to Motor Vitality on whatever podcast application you happen to use, or by visiting motorvitality.com, where you can listen to years and years and years worth of archives. Um, by the way, speaking of the archives, if anybody is interested in those, I mean, you can download them. So, so when you go, I mean, we've done this for the last uh, 14 years, 12 or 14 years, and I have every single call and every single uh, topic that we've done with with um, that we've recorded and put up. All of those are are um, I've got them all stored. If anybody wants to go back and look at any topics or read those, let me know. And we can, you know, and get you the. They're usually zip files, and we can put them in there. You can look at the topics if there's any specific one that you want to go to. Of course, you can download. But I, I, even online, when you go back beyond five or six years, I have the topics up, but I don't have them uploaded to the website. You know, they're they're pretty old and are they're archived, but they are there. Um, there's been. You know, we do uh, about 45 of these things a year between, usually between 40, um, you know, 40 and, well, it's been at least like 43 or 45 every year. And multiply that by, um, you know, by the uh, the 10, well, the 12 years that we've done. There's an awful lot of listening if you want to go back and listen to them. It's pretty cool. Um but we'll do, uh, you know, of course, we'll do next week, and then the following week will be Thanksgiving. We'll, we'll, we'll of course, take that off um, and then do a couple more, and then we usually take a couple weeks off around, uh, around the holidays, around Christmas that week. Um, so, but uh, um, if anybody wants to go back and listen to beyond what we've, what we've done, you know, go back and listen to the, the past. Sometimes they're, they're kind of interesting, and if not, a little bit scary. But uh, anyway, I'm going to start the call off the way I do pretty much every week here, which is by asking, is there anything anybody learned this last week that you wish you had known before? Anything that happened that is worthy of sharing with other professionals across the country or anything we can help you with? Any questions you might have? Hey, Kelly. It's Scott in Alabama. Hey, Scott in Alabama. Uh, so this came up this week, um, and... You always help me, and everybody on here helps me with my talk tracks. And uh had a customer um, comparing two units, um, uh, one being online. How do you address it when somebody is trying to compare um, two systems uh, just by using uh, the grain? So this one's 38,000 grains. This one's 38,000 grains. How do you address that? Anybody want to jump in on that one? So, Scott, what I would what I would do first off, I mean, I so people they do online research and they they sometimes come out and they you know they think that they know what they're talking about now, right? Because they've read some very top level stuff and and. And so what I would probably do is begin, as I often do, with questions. Okay, so if somebody says uh, that's 38,000 grain system, I would ask, you know, at what, at what salt dosage are they using? You know, do you, you know, what is the default salt setting? What is the salt dosage on that? Um, I would ask if it adjusts your, you know, if, if that system adjusts the reserve capacity. Does it have proportional brining? Does it have... 
you know, I, I would begin to ask a lot more questions because when you look at efficiency, this is something that's really disingenuous and you see this all the time. It's, it's, you'll get that, you'll see that at the box stores or online. They'll, they'll advertise a softener that says as many as 30, you know, as much as 38,000 grains of efficiency and uses as little as four pounds of salt per regeneration. Well, if you know anything about water softeners, clearly you, no matter what, if you have, I mean, that basically a 38,000 grain unit sounds to me like it's got probably uh, 1.25 cubic feet of resin in it, something like that, somewhere somewhere in that ballpark. So um, just not quite one and a half cubic feet of resin, but not, um, but slightly over one cube. And so um, you're not going to get 38,000 grains of efficiency out of that unless you use a max salt setting, which is in most cases going to be, you know, 12 pounds of salt. So are they setting it up at 12 pounds of salt to get 38,000 grains of capacity, or are they are they claiming to set that thing up at four pounds of salt? In which case, um, you know, that's not going to happen. So I, uh, my answer to you, Scott, is that I would ask them enough questions that made them realize that they don't know what they're talking about as much as they thought they did. And that's going to make them realize that you are the expert and know, you, you do know what you're talking about, you know, and setting it up. Does that, does that make sense? Well, it does. Um, and so I was accurate that you can take an unsurcised system and change the salt setting to where it uses more salt to get a, grain setting of something that has a higher capacity with a lower salt setting, um, which, which is more efficient. So that's, that's correct. Well, well, to a limit, right? So you're not going to get more than 30, probably about 32,000 grains max capacity out of a cubic foot of resin. So, I mean, it's going to vary depending on a manufacturer and the mesh size of the resin, but, but typically you're going to, you know, industry standard says roughly, 30,000 grains of capacity per cubic foot of, of resin. So, yeah, I mean, so, but you got to remember the higher the salt dosage, yeah, you're going to max out its, its capacity, um, you know, on the, on the exchange sites, but you're also way less efficient. So the more, you know, the more salt you use, the less efficient it becomes. So you do get more capacity out of the resin, but not, if you look, if you ever go in, every manufacturer out there has, if you look in the owner's manual, they've got their, their salt usage and efficiency charts. And usually most manufacturers will actually give you the salt efficiency. And what, what we're referring to with salt efficiency is how many grains of hardness can be cleaned off of a resin bead or off the resin bed per one pound of salt. So um, anything that uses, I believe it's 3,500 grains per pound is considered efficient although California has that set at, at um, 4,000 grains. So you have to have a water softener that, you know, in, in, if you're using a water softener in California, it has to be set to where you have at least 4,000 grains of hardness removed by, per one pound of salt. Um, you're not going to get, there's no water softener out there that is going to give you that efficiency at its max salt setting. If you, so if you have a softener that's set up, let's say it's a one cubic foot unit and it's set up at 30,000 grains, you know, you're using 12 pounds of salt per cubic foot, you might get 32,000 grains out of it, right? But if that same softener, um, and, and you can simply divide 32,000 by, by 12, 
and that will tell you, you know, what is that? That's uh, not very high. So, you know, you divide 32,000 by 12 and let me see what. About 2,600. Yeah, about 26. Yeah, about 2,600, right? Yeah. So, you know, and and now if you go down to, um, you know, you take that down to its low salt setting at, say, four pounds, you are going to have a reduced capacity, but your salt efficiency is going to go up closer to that 4,000 or that 4,100 grain per pound. So it, it's significantly more more efficient on a, um, you know, on a lower salt dosage. The higher, the more salt you use, the less efficient that salt becomes in, the, in, in what it take, you know, how much it can remove the hardness. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but... Um, it does, but that, that helps a lot. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I appreciate the question. Thank you. Um, so, uh, anybody else, or anybody have anything to add to that? So, I actually have a question on that. Then, yeah, if, okay. Because we'll get a lot of companies that are saying they're really, really efficient, and they're setting it at you know we're most of my areas that twenty two grains of hardness. They're setting it at six pa- six pounds of salt for a thirty two for thirty thirty two k. If it's not cleaning the resin as well, doesn't it not shorten the lifespan of the resin? No, no. I mean, it's not going to make a difference there. I mean, you have enough salt to shrink and to hydrate and rehydrate the resin. Resin, resin okay. these days, most of the manufacturers out there uh, for resin you're going to get mm-hmm. the resin's going to last. I mean it may begin to degrade after 10 or 12 years, but it's such a small level yeah. that you're going to get um I mean unless you have an oxidant in the water like chlorine or something like that, um resin will far yeah. outlast usually the control, you know, the the valves um yeah. So um but so no, it's not going to make the resin go bad. Um I I will tell you it, it's really it's very frustrating to me sometimes to see there's some manufacturers that have the capability of setting their systems very efficiently of making, um, you know, of really making it efficient and they, and they brag about it. They talk about, you know, because they've got the certified efficiency rates and stuff like that, but then they program them to set them up using their max salt settings or, or their less efficient settings. And that, that to me is a little misleading slow disingenuous you know but 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 frankly a lot of people don't understand what you know if they have a system that has something like proportional brining or um, you know countercurrent regeneration makes for a way more efficient water softener most people don't understand that you know what what those features are and so um, you know it's just a lot of companies there's so many companies out there that are just throwing them in almost with factory default settings and not really you know setting them up with efficiency which um, I don't know. That, I, I think that kind Kelly, of can I a lot of things. Yeah, of course. Uh, can I interject? I've, yeah. I noticed something that was just said, and I'm seeing this with some of the assignments that students are submitting, where when they're talking about the size of the softener, they refer to it as, oh, it's a 32,000 grain softener. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is it's more accurate to express it as the volume of the resin, because that's right incontrovertible that's you know if you get a cubic foot yeah. you get a cubic foot how many thousand grains of capacity you have is highly variable depending on the salt setting the volume of the yeah. resin is not uh-huh. no. so instead of yeah saying, i oh, think they you know that's a marketing thing though paul because people no, you know, I get, customers I get, I get, understand I get the logic grains capacity yeah 
No, I get that, but I'm saying when we're talking about it here, talking yeah. amongst ourselves and so forth, it's not a 32,000 grain softener. It's a 32,000 grain softener if you recharge it at 15 pounds of salt. Right, it's a cubic right. foot softener, no matter what level of salt you use. It's the same cubic foot of resin. Yeah, agreed. Yep, agreed. Absolutely. That's wrong. So the volume of resin is, is what makes a difference. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And Scott, to go back to your question, maybe that's something to, to take in consideration there as well, right? You know, it's, is to, you know, look at what the amount of resin that's in there is. You know, because maybe, maybe they've got a 1.5 cubic foot system or you have a 1.5 cubic foot system um, or, you know, or, or even a little more and you can get 38,000 grains of capacity and use less salt with it, you know, per cubic foot, you know, so if you had more resin, you can certainly do that, you know, so it's a bigger system. But um, anyway, yeah, good, good questions. Love these discussions. Thank you very much. Um, Stacey, did that answer your question? Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the things we run into, and we just I just did a training like a month and a half ago with a couple of our installers on, they were, you know, they would set everything at like 500 gallons in for capacity. And we're like, yeah. no, we're giving you the numbers so you can run the capacity. I literally yeah. went through to teach them how to figure out capacity. Yeah. Well, your particular manufacturer has that stuff spelled out really, really well in their owner's manuals. I mean, if you can, you can yeah. look and know exactly. And in fact, they have the comparisons for all the different ways that you can set up, yeah. um, set the unit up. It's it's probably one mm -hmm. of the most informative service manuals I've I've seen. So, um, yeah. But just getting my my text to sometimes read that and pay attention. Yeah. No, trust me, I, we train them. <laughs> so Paul, Paul, we run into that, don't we? So we run into that with every manufacturer, getting a getting an installer or a service tech to read them, or a salesperson to read the manuals of the equipment that they're carrying. It is, it's just unbelievable how few people have actually read their manuals. So, uh, and we're out there doing it. And so I think we've done a, a topic on that before. But all right, well, speaking of topics, I do have a topic today I thought was going to be kind of fun. Um, and, you know, I, we titled it, Oops, I Broke It. And I left it a little um, uh, vague because I wanted to pose the question first to you guys. Um, and, I, God, I could spend an hour telling you about all the things that I have broken in a customer's home or somewhere else. But I was wondering, you know, what have you guys broken in the customer's home and how did you deal with it? You know, what, what types of things have you broken? And if you've done this any length of time, you've been out there, I, I'm betting you have broken something, you know, something broke. Um, what have you guys broken when you were in the customer's home? I've broken like oh. my beakers and my test boxes. Yeah, that's that's one I had on my list too. Definitely. How isn't that a joy, Stacy, when you drop a glass a, a glass test tube or something and it shatters all over their their counter or their kitchen floor? You got little shards yeah, I, of glass all over the place. Oh yeah. <laughs> I did one once on, and it was a a like a custom tile floor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this was elaborate, which made it also that much harder, and it just shattered my beaker. And the wife just yep. looked at me and said, "It's a house now. We broke something." 
<laughs> right. Well, she was cool about it. That's cool. I have absolutely broken cool things. Yeah, I, I've definitely broken test tubes and beakers in the customer. That was one high up on my list. But um, who else? Who else has broken stuff? Oh, a glass doing oh, the glass fake. What was that? Uh, a glass doing the glass wash. Oh, oh, what well, you're doing? Like you're you're washing glasses for them? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 The same thing. Yeah. Who else? Who else has broken stuff? I broke a wine glass because I wanted to make space from the uh, in the sink, and I moved it. <laughs> Side, so that broke in pieces, but they were okay with it. Yeah, it happened. You know, isn't that funny? Sometimes, and I've often said this when you go into the house, you're talking about moving dishes. You have those customers that, you know, the, the ones that complain, they go, oh, I'm sorry, the house is such a mess. And you're looking around going, holy crap, I'd eat off your floor. This is not a mess at all. And then you have those other customers that you come out there and you're, you got to test the water and you, their dishes are piled in the sink, you know, crap all over the floor, you know, everything. And you, you just, um, you know, they never say anything about it, you know, and you, you just are supposed to kind of move around. There's a lot of times not even a place to put your test kit, you know, to set your, set your test kit around. Um, but yeah, same thing. So what about, um, oh, any, anybody else, anybody else ever other stuff that you've broken? So that's all been glass related so far. What else? So, you got to take in mind, this was almost 10 years ago. It was two months in, two, maybe three, two months into the job. I went out on an inspect and check to check, check out. The lady had an old, um, it was a Sears or a, it was a big box unit, okay? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't working. Well, me being brand new and really stupid, it's freezing weather out. It's like 10 degrees out. I found the bypass valve for this software yeah. laying on the floor and tried to put it back in. I broke yeah. the ice. I got soaked in a 12-degree garage. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, bad, I... it, when it melted, it was going to flood anyway. Yeah. 12-hour shift. So at least we found the bypass. We found the water shut off and got it shut off and got it taken care of. But, yeah, I got it totally soaked, breaking an ice dam in a bypass valve. Did I lose you? Hi, Stacy. it's Michelle. I think he dropped off. Um, it sounds like it. Oh, that might be him coming back. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Sorry about that. I, yeah, um, that's Stacy. I, I, I don't know what happened there. I dropped off. So it, what I was saying was, um, at least they, at least it happened while you know during the day instead of it happening later. So I mean, in the long run, that's good. I have broken. I wish I could say it was when I was only two months in. It, it was definitely earlier. But I, I have broken a multitude of bypass valves, gate valves. You know, you go to turn them and they won't. You know, they. I had one bust off one time. A gate valve just crumbled basically as I was trying to shut the water off for customers a Saturday, and it, there was no water was just flowing out. I had to unplug the well because they had a jet pump in there. I had to unplug the well, the well pump, 
just to stop the water. And even then, it you know it, it spewed out of the pressure tank and and just flooded the whole area. Um, and that was before shark bites and and any of that stuff. So um, I ended up it was a Saturday afternoon, and that was way before I knew how to sweat pipe or or any of that stuff. And I ended up having to call my my father-in-law to come out and solder in a new valve on it so they could have water. So yeah, I've I've certainly um, touched gate valves. Um, they they yeah, I, I've broken those to be sure. I broke a water heater one time. I was trying to this is trying to do good, trying to pull an anode rod out of somebody's water heater so that I could you know cut it off and put it, or put a plug in it and. and you know, single lady, didn't have the money to pay somebody to come out. Um, the water was smelling like crazy. She had just bought, you know, a, a big system from me. So I was out there again on a Saturday trying to trying to do it, um, pull the anode rod out. And silly me, nobody had ever told me that you're supposed to depressurize the 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 water heater. <laughs> so I, and I never break her bar, and I ended up, you know, jarring that thing and fighting with it. I could not get that thing out of there, of course, because it was – Pressure, under pressure, and she ended up calling me that night, Saturday evening, without hot water because I broke her water heater. Um, the, a big one that I think that we have to kind of look for, you know, that we have to watch for is those under-the-sink drains, you know, the traps, especially when we're, we're climbing under the sink and we're doing a, you know, we're looking and we're going to put an RO in there. I've, this has happened. I I now, when I'm doing installations, RO installations, I got in the habit of carrying a trap kit with me for under the sink. So when I'm doing installs, because people have those, sometimes they have those old sinks and those old traps that are just, you know, they, they've sat with water in them, the metal ones especially, those little aluminum, you know, chrome-painted little things that the water sits down in that trap and, and just corrodes down at that thing. You barely look at it, or you, if you bump it at all, suddenly you it just falls apart. You know, water starts coming out of that trap. Now that had nothing to do. I mean, it was basically bad when I got there, but it wasn't leaking before I got there either. Until I bumped it or touched it, and and now, you know, the thing is is broken. That's why I. I always carried an extra one with me because, um, or, you know, a trap kit with me just because it's, you know, otherwise you gotta, you break it, you buy it, right? Now you gotta run down to the store and and buy them a new trap and throw a trap on, and you're, you know, something that cost ten bucks to buy a, an entire trap kit for under a sink now cost depending on what you get, you know, how much your, your hourly wage is and how far back it sets you on your next job and stuff like that. Now you've got this, uh, you know, this thing that could have you could have fixed in five minutes. Now it's taking you an hour and a half because you've got to go down to the hardware store, the plumbing supply store, you know, the, the Walmart and hope they have them or whatever and buy this trap kit and come back and the customer's you know they're they're upset about it, and because now it's even longer that it's taking. So, um, so what is what is the um, how do you guys handle it when you, you know, what is the best practice? Now it sounds like Stacy, you had you know a couple occasions there where the customers were cool with it. Um, you know, what is your obviously prevention is going to be the best the best solution, right? To kind of be aware of what's there. Like I said, I learned the hard way to carry the extra trap kit with me. Um, but uh, 
you know, how do you guys handle it when you do something like that? What do you, what do you tell the customer? Um, you know, what is the best way to, you know, how do you apologize? How do you make it right? Uh, what is your, do you have a policy about that stuff? You know, if you go down and, um, you know, and you see something, let's say, let's say I get under the sink and I see that a trap is, is brittle and kind of, you know, I'm a little nervous about touching it or, or if I have a gate valve that I'm hesitant to turn, but it, it, I need to be able to shut the water off in order to do my job. You know, do you, what do you guys, how do you talk to the customer about it to, um, to prepare for the possibility? Or if you, if you did something that messed it up, what do you say to them? I normally just, uh, assessed by looking at things and maybe touching it barely to see how it probably would behave, you know, because you're used to closing and you feel it, that it's going to be kind of a rough turn. So I normally call the customer and say, you know, let's look at this because this seems like it's bad, it's going bad, so we may have to replace it. So that way beforehand they're ready and, you know, maybe I can get the parts beforehand as well so that if it happens, I don't have to rush to the store because they may be close as well because sometimes we do it late at night. But basically, yeah. you know, taking pictures before for sure, at least letting, letting them know, hey, you know, this is, this is rusted. It may break. Um, you may want to change it anyway. So then we can add it to the job, you know, by not charging them or charging them. Yeah. So I think that's key, right? Recognizing that stuff. And, you know, so those of you that are in sales, you know, where you're, you're in sales and you're sending out a, an installer, I mean, that's definitely something to take a look on. Now, then you have the, the customers or, you know, there's, there are some companies out there that have that policy, you know, that we're not plumbers. They have to call a plumber first. But if you have that policy, then you, you're aware of that too. Look, we love to put this RO in for you under the sink, but, um, you, you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this. You might want to have a plumber fix this or if you guys fix it or whatever. And, and they might say, well, can't you guys do that? I mean, honestly, I, I think if we're under a sink putting in an RO, it's so easy to replace a trap that, I mean, you could charge them probably, you know, 50 bucks tacked on to their, to their call. And it, it, I mean, that's, it's good for them. It's good for us. We got the parts and now we know it's not going to leak, you know? So, um, but yeah, a preventative talking to them about it ahead of time. So what do you say when you, when you've actually broken it and you hadn't talked to them, how do you address it? I mean, there you almost have to pay for it, right? You can't, you can't charge them for it after the fact or can you? Anybody have an opinion probably, on that? We probably sing the 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 song from Britney Spears. Oops, <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> yep, yep. They, you know, it, it could be just me, but I always felt like if it was something clearly I had done. Now, look, I mean, you know, we talked about breaking vials and you know glass and stuff like that, and that one just happens. Things slip. You know, the glass you broke the wine glass. Somebody said, you know, moving it that. That stuff happens, you know, and, and yeah, you feel horrible about it, but, um, you know, what do you, what do you do? I mean, we had a customer at one of the clients I was working with and the, the drain line was not, um, secure, like really secure and it, and it popped out of the, the drain line nut and it spewed water all over their, um, their storage room where they, and they had old, I mean, this is a, like on a completely different level from just breaking a, a um, 
you know, a gate valve or something like that. But but it spewed water all over pictures and, and certificates and, like, their mom's pictures that they had in boxes and stuff from way back when, you know, that, that, that things that couldn't be replaced. And, I mean, you, you can't really put a, a price on that, you know. And so it, it definitely, I th- my opinion, just as we wrap it up here, in, and we kind of alluded to it, but how do you handle all of this stuff? I think communication is really, really important. I think when you let people know that there's a possibility that these things could happen, rather than, the, oh, you'll never have any trouble, you never have any problems, okay? Um, you know, be aware. Let them know that this stuff is water. You know, anytime you, water does damage. It does damage with flooding. It does damage with dripping. It can do damage. And we are working with products that use water. And anytime you can talk to any plumber, any water treatment installer, any water treatment company ever, anytime you're dealing with water, you're going to have some leaks at some point, sometime. We can do everything we can to prevent it. We can try really hard to, to not let it happen. But communicating with the customer and letting them know that, look, let's take some preventative action. You know, let's not store your pictures right next to the plumbing. <laughs> you know, you know, and if you say that ahead of time, you know, it, you know, lift those up off the floor. You know, it get, kind of give them a give them a heads up. That makes it a lot easier to swallow if something ever did happen, because you know we know that it it's water. We told them that. You know, we let them know that. Um, any final thoughts on this before we we head out? All right, then. Um, next week, I know um, Jen had a topic. She couldn't be here today, but next week we'll be thinking about it because next week we're going to be talking about our elevator pitches. You know, what, how do we describe what we do to somebody in, within, uh, you know, the time it takes to ride a couple floors up or down, right? So we're going to talk about that. And, and so give some thought to that. And I'd love to hear some of yours next week um, as we talk about that. And then we're also going to talk about when you would use those, you know, when that might come in handy. So, um, all right, guys, thank you very much. Uh, We will talk to you next week, if not before. Be safe, everybody. Thanks. Thanks. Take care.